I fully expect to see my breath each time I breathe out. Uh, for those of you, do we have any first-time visitors here today? I was going to say, those of you who are from the north, we apologize. Our Florida weather is letting you down. It's letting us down, too. I've recognized, I've been down, it'll be eight years in the spring. I, I, my blood is starting to thin out. I actually put pants instead of shorts on one day this week because it was cold. Uh, yeah. So we will, we will get through this. Uh, next week sometime it's going to be 70 degrees. So look forward to that. It's, it'll get cold again, it says, but yeah, who knows? Maybe this is the worst of it. Just remind you, two years ago when we had our congregational meeting, was it two years ago? Outside. Or was it three years ago? It would have been 2021. It was outside. So it was three years ago. And it was cold that day too. So it's not as cold today as it was that day. Um, we have sign-up books for readers and ushers uh, for 2024. See Charlie if you would like to read or um, help guide through the service. We are still looking for volunteers for Church Alder Grailed. See Chris. Uh, I invite you to look at your announcements in the bulletin, the sheet, the, the handout you've been given. That will have all the future events that are coming up. But reminders, this week... Today is our congregational meeting. After the service, get a cup of coffee, a treat, come right back. It's very important. This is the one time that we discuss and finish off our business for this year. Um, Tuesday is a council meeting at 7 o'clock. Friday is karaoke in Kyle Hall at 6. Saturday is the music jam at 1. And next Sunday will be a covered dish, a covered dish after service, and there's some Sign-ups going around for those who are going to attend. But most important, and a sign-up sheet will appear next week, is going to be a congregational retreat on February 24th, which is a Saturday from 10 to 2. Lunch will be provided. This is a very important um, time for the congregation in this interim period. Um, I encourage all members to, to set aside that day and attend. Not only is it fun and informative, it's an important aspect of us moving forward as a congregation. So please, Saturday, February 24th, I will keep announcing and keep encouraging. I encourage you to encourage each other to sign up. Are there any other announcements for the good of our family? Is that you, Vicki? Okay. We have our annual prayer partner gathering coming up February 27th. It's a Saturday. I'm sorry, 17th, not 27th. That's my birthday. Um, February 17th, Saturday at 11.30. If anyone's inter interested in becoming a member of our prayer partner gathering, see me or Chris after service. Thank you, Vicki. Any other announcements? I see some children. Would you like to come forward and give me a hand? Have a seat. <sighs> so, do you know any brats? Or have you ever been called a brat? Oh, come on. It's your loving sister. She's a, a beautiful flower among us. But yeah, we, I think all of us, 
and that includes all them out there too, and especially me, and I know this one. We all at times have been brats, okay? Um, and there's this wonderful story about a biblical brat, okay? There was a brat in the Bible, Jonah. Jonah was called by God to go and tell the people who lived north of him in Assyria that they needed to change their ways, can, you know, to re, re, uh, repent from the evil they were doing or God was going to destroy them. Well, Jonah did not like the Assyrians and he decided that he wasn't going to listen to God. So he went the other way. He ran the other way. He was being a brat. God, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to run away as far as I can. Well, no matter how big a brat you're being, you can't run from God. So he was on a ship and a storm came up and the ship was floundering and they couldn't understand why they couldn't get away from the storm. But he finally said, well, it's me because God's mad at me. So they finally threw him over the boat and a big fish or a whale, whatever, swallowed him up, spit him back on the line. And God said, Jonah, stop being a brat and go to Nineveh and tell the people of Assyria to repent and change their ways. Oh, I don't want to do this. Joe had stomped off to Nineveh. And he walked into the city and he said, repent and change your ways or God's going to destroy you. And he left. Well, they did. They all repented and changed their ways. And Noah, Jonah, Jonah was so mad because, God, I knew that was going to happen. I knew they'd repent and you'd change their ways. And Jonah was still being a brat. Through the whole story of Jonah, Jonah is a brat, okay? But I think there's an important lesson for us here, that even when we're being a brat, God loves us and God can use us. And even God will use, and God will even use the brats among us to bring God's word. So, Kyla, when you think Lula's being a brat, maybe she's actually giving you a message from God. Did you think of that, that? And that goes for all of us to remember that even at our worst times, even those times that we've become very self-centered and unreasonable, that God still loves us and God can still use us. Let's say a prayer. Dear God, I'm a brat, I confess that, but I thank you that you love me and will use me in spite of that. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. I invite those of you who are able to stand, and if you want to shake yourselves around a little bit, that's too good, I understand. Get the blood flowing. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, creator of darkness and light, word of truth, wind sweeping over waters. Amen. Let us confess our bratty sins in the presence of God and of one another. God, our rock and our refuge. We pour out our hearts before you. We have known you, but have not always loved you. We have wounded one another and sinned against you. 
we have not always recognized the Holy Spirit dwelling in each of us. Remember your covenant, renew your creation, restore us that we might proclaim your good news to all. Amen. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. God has spoken. The time of grace is now. In Jesus, the reign of God has come near. By the authority of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You are God's beloved. Amen.
after that. <laughs> that was an interesting, I like that. Yeehaw. Good morning. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Please join me in praying the prayer of the day. Almighty God, by grace alone, you call us and accept us in your service. Strengthen us by your spirit and make us worthy of your call through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. A reading from Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us read responsively Psalm 62. For God alone, I wait in silence. Truly, my hope is in God. God alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold so that I shall never be shaken. In God is my deliverance and my honor. God is my strong rock and my refuge. Put your trust in God always, O people. Pour out your hearts before the one who is our refuge. Those of high degree are but a fleeting breath. Those of low estate cannot be trusted. Placed on the scales together, they weigh even less than a breath. Put no trust in extortion, in robbery. Take no empty pride. Though wealth increase, set not your heart upon it. God has spoken once, twice have I heard it. That power belongs to God. Steadfast love belongs to you, O Lord, for you repay all according to their deeds. A reading from 1 Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no possessions, and those who deal with the world as, the, as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. What's it going to cost? Grace, grace is free. Grace, that love of God, that forgiveness of all of our brokenness, that constant calling into the embrace of God's love is free, free for all. You can't buy it, you can't earn it, you can't claim to be entitled to it. It's simply the free gift of God. And grace, at least in my thinking, my learning, and my understanding, is the ultimate overcomer of all. That in the end, everyone, regardless of what life they led, regardless of what they confessed they believed, has access to that same grace. Now, there will be other people within Christianity, and maybe some of you sitting here would disagree with that slightly, and that's all right. Um, that some people think you actually need to claim Christ or claim the grace. You have to confess Christ as your Lord and Savior in order to be uh, avail yourself of grace. I disagree, but that's not my point this morning. Last week, I posed that thought, asking the question, who are you going to serve? Which I laid out as ultimately a dualistic choice. You either serve good or evil. You either serve the devil or the Lord. And I also argued that eventually all alternatives, choosing to serve yourself, you're serving an organization or even an ideal, because of our human weaknesses or our brokenness, will in the end serve the deceiver. Satan is a liar, and Satan in Hebrew, actually translates as deceiver. And we can easily be deceived into serving these ends if we're not careful. So it's important to make that conscious choice. Who are you going to serve? And that was last week's message. But this week's message, before I get on, hopefully the choice needs to be to serve God and for us who claim Christ That is to serve Jesus. And this is best practiced by seeking to serve the least among us. 
seeking to serve the poor, the disenfranchised, or the powerless. This is the best and the easiest and most available way that we can serve Christ. This week's question, though, is what's it going to cost? And let's start today with that gospel reading that we heard. Jesus is inviting some fishermen to the party. See, I really like the way Mark tells this story because, see, in the other gospels, there is this story of this first, this miraculous catch of fish, this unbelievable haul before Jesus issues the invitation. But in Mark, all that's happened is Jesus has sort of moved into the position that John was, refining John the Baptist's message with the idea that the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and start to serve God. And in, in Mark, he just simply encounters these fishing fishermen and he says, follow me. Follow me. Two words. It's a complete sentence. Follow me. Is a noun and a verb. Follow me. Is it an invitation or is it an instruction? But being human, being pragmatic, being one who weighs all the different things, I asked the cost. What is the cost to follow Jesus? Well, Peter and Andrew, they just sort of, it sounds like they left their nets, their, their livelihood. They were, they were poor fishermen, and they just had nets that they cast out into the sea, hoping to catch the fish that were within wading distance of the shore. And they left those nets. For James and John, it was a bigger decision, because in Mark, they're talking about they had a father who had boats and hired hands. It was more of a business. And they stood in line to inherit, to profit from that business. It was a bigger setup. And therefore, they could make more out of it. But they, too, left all that, and they followed Jesus. They left behind this certain life, fishing, which is not easy, but they left it to follow who? Who do we know at this point according to this, this gospel? Who do we know Jesus is? Is he a prophet? Is he a teacher? Or is he just some weird guy who talks about funny things? Follow me. It's provocative. Now, did it cost them their identities or their livelihoods as fishermen? Well, I don't think so because... In the gospel, they relate other stories. There's one time Peter goes out. They have to pay a temple tax, and Jesus, Jesus tells Peter, well, go out and go fishing. So Peter goes fishing. He catches a fish with a coin in its mouth, which is enough to pay the temple tax. And the very end of John, the epilogue to John, there is again Peter sitting around wondering what to do now. And he says, you know what, guys? I'm going to go fishing. And he goes fishing, and a group of the disciples go with him. And I imagine it was Andrew and James as John, because fishing was their livelihood. 
And they went out and they went fishing and they caught this tremendous haul of fish. And it was in that that Christ revealed himself on the shore and Peter dove into the water. And what follows is that very important, do you love me, Peter, three times? Do you really love me? Then feed my sheep, tend to my sheep, care for my sheep. And Jesus reveals to Peter, ultimately, how Peter was going to die. And at least for of those first four disciples called, two of them, James and Peter, paid with their life. We don't have any record of what happened with Andrew and John, but James was beheaded because of his belief, and Peter was ultimately crucified, but he chose to be crucified upside down. So is that the cost that we pay with our life when we follow Christ? Well, as far as I know, there's only two instances recorded, and those are both in the Bible, of people who got out of this life alive. One was Elijah, who was taken up in a golden chariot into the heavens while Elisha, his protege, watched. And the other was Jesus, who ascended into heaven, but it was after he already died and was resurrected. And as far as I know, there are no other instances all of history that anybody got out of this life alive. So what are we really worried about that? Death is going to follow each one of us, and we do not know when it's going to come or how it's going to manifest itself. So is that really what you're afraid of? But before we more examine more the cost of following Christ, let's look at the cost of not following. Not following Christ, not serving God, serving self. And in this serving of self or ideal, and we've already covered where you're ultimately serving, anytime for many, it's this slow breaking down of self, giving up a piece of what maybe we could call the soul each time and for many of us who've done this and gone down this path, we reach a way, we reach a bottom, and we realize the only way is to give up this and to serve the highest power. Because the way we're on is not only death, but it's also incredible suffering. I saw one time the witness of this Episcopal priest. He, he shared a story. He said for most of his life, young teenage life and into his adulthood, he was a devout, devout atheist. And he said, I could tear apart anybody who tried to share their faith with my own certainty that there was no God. He says, I had been given a gift of intellect and I used it righteously to prove my belief that there was no God. He said, and then I died suddenly. Now, I forget the circumstances, whether he was on a hospital bed or he had a heart attack, but he said he suddenly, he died suddenly. He was clinically dead for a period of time. And while he was dead, he remembered being in a dark place, being abused by a bunch of creatures that he could only describe as demons. 
And in the midst of this anguish and agony, he cried out, Jesus, help me. And he came back to life. And at that point, he realized that he'd been wrong, and he'd been serving the wrong entity. And he went on to become a priest. But yet he freely shares his story, so I'm sure that made becoming a priest that much harder. But maybe for others, this paying the cost of non-discipleship because of intellect or wealth or power brought a seeming success. But also, as I understand it, the only path to damnation is a willful rejection of God's grace. And I wonder, and I speculate, and like I said, this is just my speculation here, but I just wonder for those who have been so successful in serving themselves, so successful in not following Christ, but following their, their own comforts, their own satisfactions, if they become so set in this, that at that moment when they're given the choice between grace or not, they think they can rely on themselves. I don't know. That's just an intellectual exercise because like I said in the beginning, I think grace is the ultimate power. But let's get back to the true cost of discipleship. Might it be a cost of livelihood? Might you end up called to speak out against something that costs you a job? Possibly. Standing up for the least is always a challenge. Speaking truth to power is never safe and is never easy. But what is really lost? From my perspective, Things that are lost over time are things like envy, greed, or maybe avarice. We are called to let go of ideas of entitlement, vanity, or even smug superiority. This is part of the cost of discipleship. But we also gain... We might gain insights into compassion. We might gain a broader worldview, a broader acceptance of people. We might even find a greater understanding of who we are, a greater understanding of self. We can be fine that self that we're immersed in this idea of the grace of God. And we might be so overjoyed to finally find the peace of God, which is known as shalom. Shalom, the peace of God that passes understanding. So while we might lose some things, maybe what we gain is so much greater. What is the ultimate cost of our discipleship? Well, that's already been paid. It was paid on a cross 2,000 years ago. Follow me. These words still apply. Yes, it's an instruction. Follow me. But it's also always 
an invitation. Follow me. Amen.
you have heard the word of faith, the gospel of salvation. We believe in him and are marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Living together in trust and hope, let us confess our, together our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was the key of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, ascended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. seated. If you're not familiar, while we do print prayers, um, I invite you to take those prayers home and use them if you need words when you pray. They're great words. But our prayers in the service come from the people here. These things, those either those joys that we want to vocally thank God for or share of how we experience God in our life this past week, or concerns, places that we are, and people we are praying for, for God's intercession. So let's start with joys. Do we have any joys that we'd like to share? There's one. I didn't look at it that way when I thought about it yesterday, but 
We had 123 brats over in the hall yesterday. God bless them. Uh, you know, and this morning the envelope we put in the collection we had $502 in it. So that you know, it's, looking, it's looking better all the time. Yeah. Any other joys we'd like to share this week? Good morning. My wife, Marietta, is out of the hospital. She was short a couple of pints of blood. Uh, since they sent her home, she's been doing a lot better. That's one joy. Uh, also, my daughter came to see me after seven years from New York, and that cheered her up a lot. But I think the real one that I've really got to speak on was I was bringing her back from the doctor, and some guy pulled out of the breakdown lane and cut right across three lanes of traffic. And I slammed on the brakes. All of a sudden, the car jerked to the right, came back to the left, and we didn't say anything until we got to 52. I got stopped at the light. And she said to me, what the bleep just happened? <laughs> I just, I looked at her, and the only thing I could say was, Jesus took the wheel. Amen, amen. Yeah, my son surprised me today. He's a TV cameraman. He usually works for NBC in New York. But every once in a while, he takes contracts, and he happened to be down in Florida. So he spent a couple of days with me. That's wonderful. Amen. Have any other joys we'd like to share? I have one that's a joy and a, and a concern. Uh, I don't know if anybody remember Bill and Susan Vesey. They joined us, oh, probably about three years ago. And what happened was right away, Susan ended up taking a job where she was working on the weekend, and Bill ended up with a form of blood cancer. Um, uh, I talked to her this past week. Uh, he is doing well. He's recovered from it. They were able to catch it and treat it. But because she's been working on Sunday, she's a weekend person at Grace Memorial Gardens, they started attending um, Hope uh, Church, Hope Lutheran Church, which is a uh, Missouri Synod Church, because they have Saturday services. So I asked if she wanted to continue um, to hold their membership here, and she goes, no, I think we need to join where we've been going. So I'm sharing the joy that Bill Vesey has recovered from his illness, but also the sadness that we have two former members that are, have moved on to another congregation. So we wish them joy and peace and they continue to find God as they worship there. Uh, so we have any concerns that we want to share, things that we're praying for, people that we're lifting up, situations? My aunt passed early yesterday morning. Just keep her children in prayer. And her name? Aunt Barb and my cousins are Ellen and Jenny. Barb and Ellen and Jenny. Okay. There's one up here. My uncle Herb Bombo called me Thursday and said he was being moved to rehab, so prayers for him. Yeah, we'll keep lifting Herb in prayers. Uh, He's been having more and more struggles since he moved north. Any other concerns that we want to lift up? 
Yeah, my neighbor, that um, she's a snowbird, that she's up in the upstate New York, uh, but she's not down here right now. She was asking for some prayers for her daughter, Natalie, who was having some difficulties with her pregnancy, so she wanted some prayers. So I'm lifting them up. Natalie up. Okay, Natalie. Doris, I, you know, noticed Evelina's birthday was this week, but we haven't seen her in church. How's she doing? She's doing great. She's doing great? She just doesn't like the cold, and so she stays home. <laughs> <laughs> well, God not. bless her. I don't like the cold either. <laughs> Any other concerns that we want to lift up? Yeah, I don't know if many of you know it or not, but our Reverend Dwayne Peck here is facing a, a physical challenge himself. Uh, I don't know if he wants to speak on it. I have to go to Moffitt Thursday to get a second opinion, and my PSA number is below five, so I'm just uh, going for a second opinion. I go to Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa on Thursday, so I'm just hoping for the best. Thank you, guys. Amen. Amen. I, I understand Moffitt is the second best place to go in the country. After Sloan Kettering, it's a number two rated. So being close and convenient, as many of us have. They're sweet, they're number one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other concerns that we want to lift up? Pastor, I have one. Um, one of our members uh, who is uh, now considered a shut-in, uh, Maxine Corbin, <clears throat> she's having some issues. Uh, I mean, she's 101 years old, bless her heart. Uh, so we can't really ask the Lord to do much more other than just to give her comfort. But she is having some issues, so keep her in our thoughts and prayers. Amen. Amen. Maxine. Any others? Let us pray. Lord, with gratefulness, we lift up all those times, those joyous times in our life and your presence and your instigation of them. Lord, you have gifted us with so many wonderful things here in our lives and in this community. And as a congregation, we are so blessed in this. And we thank you. We lift this up joyously and thankfully. Lord, we also lift up all those concerns of our heart, those that we've named out loud and those people that we have named out loud, we lift them to you. We also lift up those concerns in our heart, those that we are still just stewing around and wondering how they are. We lift this to you. We trust you in all good things. Lord, we lift up the division in our world that you lift from among us people who know how to unite and bring people together. We lift up the, all the pockets of poverty, Lord, and lift up to all the, the, the places where there is discrimination and oppression, Lord. We ask you to help us to also be agents of change in this. We pray all this, always confident, in the gift and the blessings of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And let the people say, Amen. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also with you. Let us uh, share a sign of Christ's peace and also make sure we 
work ourselves over to the sanitation stations.
Pray the offering prayer as one voice. Blessed are you, Holy One, for all good things come from you. In bread and cup you open heaven to us. Make us one to table that we receive what we seek and follow your Son. In Jesus' name, prayer. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should all times and all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so... With all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, 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 Lord God of Go and far away, a man who had been traveling around teaching, teaching about what it meant to live in a relationship with God, teaching about how we could all work to bring in that kingdom, the kingdom of God, into our lives.
sat down with a group of his closest, his closest followers, his ones he called friends at this point. And it was also the night that he was betrayed by one of them. But during that meal, he took the bread, and in the beginning he broke it and blessed it and gave it for all to see. Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this, whenever you do it, in memory of me. And at the end of the meal, he lifted the cup as he had lifted the bread, and he blessed it, and he said, in this cup is my blood. And it's poured out for you and for all people, for all time, for the forgiveness of sin. And when you do this, whenever you do this, remember me. And now, let us say the words as we've been taught by that one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the day our people did, and forgive us our trespasses. Forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Everyone is welcomed at this table. You can receive communion in one of three ways. You can come forward as you're invited to by the ushers where you will be handed a piece of bread, which you then can dip or intinct into one of two cups. Um, The one cup, which is a dark fluid, contains wine. The other cup contains grape juice. If you're concerned about germs, and they are a good thing to be concerned about, um, we have pre-packed elements in the back, so rather than coming forward, you can go back and get the elements that are there. Or if you want to receive from the bread in the cup and you're not able to come forward, just stay in your seat. I will ask if there's anyone else when we're nearing the end, just raise your hand and it will be brought to you because really God always comes to us. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Please be seated.
Let us pray the prayer after communion as one voice. Giver of every gift, Christ's body is our food, and we are Christ's body. Raise us to life by your power for the benefit of all and to your glory now and forever. Amen. And now the God who names you, Christ who claims you, and the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, bless you and remain with you always. Amen.
in peace. You are God's beloved. Yes, you are.